Father, we thank you that we could come this morning. We pray for your spirit. We, we pray for your presence and your power. We want to behold your glory this morning. We want to confess our sins. We ask that you give us clean hands and pure hearts this morning. We pray that uh, your spirit would do your work. Lord, we invite you to get in our business this morning. Convict us of sin. Lead us to the cross. We pray that you'll be glorified. We pray that your word will be proclaimed and that you'll accomplish your purposes and all for your glory, Lord. Speak now, we pray through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm excited this morning to start a new series, a, a short series called Building Blocks for Burlington Baptist Church. When I come from my trial sermon, we talked about the foundation of the church. And the foundation is Christ, 1 Corinthians 3.11. Uh, for, no, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. And so Jesus is the foundation. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the head of the church. It's his church. We, we have to remind ourselves of that sometimes. And so what are we to build upon the foundation of Jesus? And if we ask that question, then... Uh, I think Jesus gives us some answers to that question. It's three things in particular. Uh, the great commandment is to love God and love others. And the great commission is to make disciples. And so I'm pretty simple. Uh, what should be the mission of the church is to love God, love others, make disciples. You all can probably remember that. Love God, love others, make disciples. I'll give you a quiz next week. And uh, those are the answers. Love God. Love others and make disciples. If we do those three things, then uh, I think we'll be well on our way to being the kind of church that God wants us to be. And so I'm going to be in Matthew 22 this morning. I'm uh, going to look at verses 34 through 40. Uh, we'll come back here again next week and uh, get the last couple of these verses. But if you want to stand, we'll honor God's word if you're able. It's good to see you this morning. I had a Great first week. Nobody run me off, and so really excited about that. Uh, going to meet with the widows tonight. If you're a widow, love for you to come at six. Love to just meet you. And um, here's what Jesus said, or Matthew records it. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. You may be seated and we'll ask the Lord to, to bless his word this morning. Uh, back in 2010, I got to go to Israel. I, when we was in Jerusalem, we go to the Wailing Wall. And if you've ever been there, the the Jewish people are there, and some of them have these things called frontlets on their forehead. They're black leather. Sometimes they wrap them around their arms. They put scriptures in there, and uh, one of the scriptures that the Jews recite twice a day is what they call the Shema. It's in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. They recite that a couple times a day. They uh, they, they want to, to know that and, and be reminded of it, and every devout Jew uh, knows that. And they keep those phylacteries uh, close to them. It reminds them that they want to keep God's Word close to them. And, uh, and so I just want to uh, tell us, uh, remind us that it's so important to, to daily be in God's Word 
And sometimes uh, that's just a few verses, and sometimes that's a few chapters, but, but we need to be in God's Word. We need to uh, hear from God, and, and I want to encourage you to, to memorize Scripture. Uh, I know I've been in ministry long enough that when I say memorize Scripture, uh, many people say, well, I can't do that. And uh, usually it's not that you can't, it's that you don't want to work to memorize Scripture. And uh, it takes a lot of work. Uh, but anything that's usually worth doing takes some work, doesn't it? And so I just want to encourage you to memorize Scripture as long as it takes. And uh, I mentioned earlier, if I were to tell you that I would pay you for however many verses that you could memorize today, I bet a lot of you would come back tonight. And if I said I'd give you $20 a verse, well, you'd come in here loaded and you'd, you'd you know, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and all things give thanks, Jesus wept. I know you'd get the easy ones at least, uh, but there would be a reward for that work, and I just want to suggest there is great reward by having God's Word uh, stored up in our hearts and in our minds, and so uh, lots of ways to memorize scriptures. Uh, one of the things I do is I just write some on three by five cards, and when you're waiting in line somewhere, you just pull it out and, and read the scripture and read it again and, and put it in your heart, and uh, once you get it in there, uh, it's good because uh, the Spirit uses the Word of God in our lives and so we come here to the, the Gospel of Matthew, and uh, Jesus is regularly teaching people, and as he is teaching, often the, the religious establishment, the Pharisees and the Sadducees will come, and sometimes they'll ask questions, and usually when they ask questions, they're trying to trap him, they want him to answer in some way that they can use it against him, uh, because they hate Jesus, and so that's what we find here, and of course Jesus is too wise to be trapped by their questions. And so verse 34, when the Pharisees heard that, the, that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. If you look back a few verses, the Sadducees came and asked some questions about marriage uh, after life uh, in, in eternity. And Jesus corrected them and uh, he knew all the answers. And so the Pharisee decided that he would come. In verse 35 it says that one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to, to test him. Now, this isn't the kind of lawyer that we may think of. This, is, uh, this guy would have probably been a, an expert in the Jewish law, the religious law. And, and sometimes they're called scribes. Uh, there's a parallel account in, in Mark chapter 12, and, and Mark calls him a, a scribe. And the, the scribes, or lawyers, uh, they copied the scriptures by hand. And actually, after they'd get done copying a page, they'd go back and they'd count every letter to make sure they didn't leave anything out. And so uh, this lawyer would have had a, a specialty in interpreting the law. And so here comes a person who is very uh, familiar with God's law. He, he probably copied it. He, he read it, studied it, memorized it. He, he might even have read uh, other commentaries about what others said about uh, this. And so he comes to Jesus, verse 36. He says, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Or in other words, Jesus, what's the bottom line? What is the commandment that is most important of all this material, this Jewish law that we have? Uh, Jesus, which would you say is the most important commandment of them all? And uh, just some insights about the law. The, the Pharisees had found 613 commandments in the law. Uh, 248 were positive. That means you do this, do that. 365 of them were negative, and so you don't do that or you don't do this. And some have said that they had a, a, a prohibition or a law a day to keep the devil away. Uh, 
Uh, but that's a lot, isn't it? 613 things to do or not to do, and, and uh, that would have been difficult to remember. Uh, if my wife tells me more than a couple things, I usually only remember one of them. Here's 613 things to, to do. And, and the Pharisees, uh, not only that, but they had different categories of sin. They, they thought some sins were uh, not that bad. And, and uh, our Catholic friends, uh, they, they classify sins into two categories, mortal and venial. And, uh, and we don't particularly do that, but, but yet sometimes I think we do. There are some sins that we consider almost inconsequential. Uh, I would put uh, gossip in there and anger and greed. We, we just kind of excuse ourselves when we do those. We say those aren't big deals. And, and then there are some sins we think are so bad that even the grace of God can't forgive. And uh, the scriptures don't really treat sin like that. I, in Romans 1, right after Paul mentions homosexuality, he, he mentions gossip, disobedient to parents, greed, and so uh, James 2.10 says that for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in any point is guilty of it all. And so if you keep most of it and you stumble at one point, you're, you're guilty of breaking the law. And so here comes the lawyer. He says to Jesus, just give me the bottom line, Jesus. Uh, what is the most important commandment? Now, now maybe he's thinking, well, if he tells me the most important one, I'll keep that one and get my ticket punched and I'll be good. We know that we're not saved by keeping the law because we're all lawbreakers, aren't we? We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. He is the, the means of our salvation. We, we can never be saved if we had to keep all the, the law. And so uh, he asked this question, what's the greatest commandment? And I think what Jesus, his answer, I think it's important for us to, to know and to understand. Verse 37 he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, I just want to point out that in his answer, he actually quoted from the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 5. And again, the, the people that heard him would have been very familiar with that scripture because they, they recited it every day. They knew that they were to love God with all their heart and soul and, and might. And so Jesus tells this lawyer, and really us, that we are to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind. And I believe that if we ask Jesus today, what's the most important thing that I could do as an individual? What's the most important thing that we could do as a church? I think he would give us the same answer, and he'd say the most important thing is for you to love God. And so let's consider that for just a few moments. The word love in Deuteronomy 6.5 in the Hebrew is ahab, and it... it refers to a, an act of the mind and the will, and it's a word that's distinguished by dedication and commitment to a choice. And so it's an intentional act of the, the will to, to love. The word that Jesus uses here in Matthew twenty two thirty seven 37 is a familiar word. It's the word aguape, and we know it's the highest love. It's the, the love generated by the Holy Spirit in the lives of 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 those of us who are yielded to the Spirit. It's a, a kind of love that sacrifices, that, that brings commitment to the table. It's the, the highest love, and it is an act of the will. And so I don't want us to miss this. Jesus said that the greatest and most important thing that you and I can do is to love God, to love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all our mind. And so maybe we should take a moment and just contemplate 
What, what did I do last week to love God more? What did I do last week to grow in my love and relationship with God? Did, did I spend time in prayer? Did I spend time in God's Word, getting to know the one who loves me? And so I, we say and we think that we love God, but do we really love Him as He demands, with all of our heart and soul and mind? Do we love Him with every part of our being? Is He really the priority of our lives? Uh, this mentioned that this past week we crossed over the first half of 2019, and I don't know about you, it sped by for me. And so if I were to look back, and if someone was to look at your life, the first half of 2019, would they conclude there's a, a man that loves God, or there's a woman who loves God? And, and listen, maybe you, maybe you kind of bloat it the first half of the year. The good thing is God gives grace, and listen, we can finish strong the second half and forget about the first half, and we can grow in our love and passion for God. I, I want to. I think the Spirit wants us to. He wants to help us to do that. And so I, I was thinking about Peter. Uh, we know Peter, Jesus called him the rock, and, and we know what Peter did there uh, at the cross. We know that he denied Jesus, and uh, he was disappointed in that, and, and uh, we're a little disappointed in Peter. Uh, we come to John chapter 21. This is after the resurrection. Uh, this is the last chapter of the book of John, and, and, and Jesus is there with the disciples. He made breakfast for them, and he asked Peter a question. He says, Peter, do you love me? And uh, the word that he uses there is a guape. Do you love me, Peter, with total commitment? And uh, we lose a little bit in our English translation. We just have one word for love. But G the Peter answers with, Lord, you know I love you, but he doesn't use a guape. He used filio, which means a, a brotherly love. And so Jesus asked him a second time, Peter, do you a guape? Love me totally. And Peter says, you know I filio you. And then the third time, Jesus actually asked him, do you filio me? And Peter acknowledges that he does. We wonder why he asked him three times. Well, Peter had denied him three times. And when Peter answers that question, he, he doesn't feel like he can use the word aguape because he, he denied Jesus. And he didn't show total commitment to Jesus. And and so he was careful not to use a word that his life uh, didn't align with. And I just thought about Peter. You know, it'd be easy for us to say, well, Jesus, you know, I love you. But do we really love him with just this total commitment, this total abandon? And if Peter couldn't say that, and, and Peter, you know, he's the rock. And after the resurrection, he's kind of front and center. He's boldly preaching the gospel, and he's, he's going to prison for the gospel. I mean, he, legend says that he's... Uh, crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to die the same way Jesus. And so uh, we would look at Peter's life, certainly post-resurrection, and said, well, Peter loved Jesus. And I, I believe Peter did, but he didn't feel like he could use that total commitment word. And, and so that, that's kind of convicting to me. I, it's easy for me to say I love Jesus, but do I love him as he specifies here uh, so what all does this word entail? How do we practically love God? And, and how do we grow in our love towards God? Well, notice Jesus starts with the heart. And uh, in the Bible, the heart is kind of the command center. It's where our plans are produced and our desires come from. And, and so the, the heart is kind of the, 
It controls our feelings, our emotions, our passions, our desires. It's, it's where commitment takes root in our lives. The heart is the place where we decide for or against God. And so it's, I just want to say it's, it's one thing to say we love God, uh, but sometimes it's another to, to live that out. Jesus in Mark 7 is quoting from Isaiah, and he says, uh, uh, with our lips... Uh, this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. People honor me with their lips. They say, I love God, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commands of men. You know, I'm afraid sometimes in the church that there are people who say they love God, and yet their heart is far from God. There are some who love the traditions of man more than they love the ways of God. Uh, John Piper helps us a little bit here. He, he says that love God with all your heart means to find in God a satisfaction so profound that it fills up all your heart. Find a satisfaction in God that fills your heart. We, we find satisfaction from things of this world, at least temporary satisfaction. But here Jesus is calling us to find our satisfaction in God. Love, love God with all your soul means to find in God a meaning so rich and so deep that it fills up all the aching corners of your soul. Love God with all your mind means to find in God the riches of knowledge and insight and wisdom that guide and satisfy all that the human mind was meant to be. And so take all of... Uh, your longings for joy and hope and love and security and fulfillment and significance. Take all that and focus it on God until He satisfies your heart and your soul and your mind. Until you find all your satisfaction in God. In, in Scripture, uh, John often uses our love for God as the true mark of the believer. Uh, and then there's a connection between the love of God and obedience to God. John 14, 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, Jesus said, you'll do what I told you. 1 John 2, 3-5. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. So loving Jesus certainly means that we follow him and we keep his commandments. Let me ask this, does it mean more than that? And I think the answer is, is yes. I think about this from a human level. Uh, how do we show our spouse that we love them? Is it simply... By doing what they tell us? For example, if I were to pick up all my socks and other stuff and uh, took out the trash and filled up the car and picked up the dishes after, if I did that every time Jenny told me to, uh, is that all I have to do for her to know that I loved her? What if I never told her I love you? What if I never thought about her? What if there was no romance? Would it be enough simply to say, well, honey, I picked up my socks and I took out the trash, and is that enough? I don't know about your spouse, but I don't think it is for mine. And so, listen, sure, we, we love God by obeying Him, but, but 
loving Him with our hearts is more than just obedience through outward acts. Loving Him means we think about Him. Even in the quietness of the day or the busyness of the day, we, we pause and we think about God as our Creator and our Redeemer. We, we pray to Him in, in times of thanksgiving, even for the little things. We pray for, to Him in times of need, in times of leisure. We, we love and we think about God. I was thinking about the, the older brother in the, the story of the prodigal son. You know, he stayed with the father. Apparently, he did whatever the father asked him to do. And yet, there, wasn't, there was something just not right with his heart. Now, if his heart had been right, he wouldn't have got so aggravated when his wayward brother came home, would he? And so when the brother comes home, he complains and gripes and is mad because the father never threw a party for him. And instead of rejoicing in his returning brother, he, he is angry about that. And that reminds us that as... As believers, it, it sometimes we, we turn to duty, and we just go through religious motions. Perhaps coming to church today was just a, a chore for you, and it's just kind of a religious motion that you go through. I, I want to ask you, do you imagine that God is pleased by your presence here today if in reality you don't really want to be here? You think God is pleased uh, in your worship, uh, if your mind is a thousand miles away. And, and listen, there are lots of distractions. We really have to take our thoughts captive and, and really focus on what we're singing and who we're singing to. But do you think God is honored today when, uh, when people's main concern sometimes in choosing a church is how entertaining the preacher is or how upbeat the music or how casual you can dress? And nothing wrong with any of those things, but the truth is... If I love God and desire to worship Him, it doesn't matter how I can dress or what kind of music we have. Or, or The problem so often is that we love ourselves instead of loving God. And maybe I'm speaking for myself. I know my tendency to love myself. And when we love ourselves, we want everything to be catered to ourselves. And if you study the Scriptures, no, there's nowhere that it says that we love God by our church attendance or by our big offerings or our children's programs or our hymn sings or our hands raised or our prayers. Or No. Jesus says to love God with all your heart. And if you, if you have all the other things and don't have that, then you miss the most important thing. And so... I'd say the Burlington Baptist Church, I mean, we can have the nicest buildings and facilities and the best student ministries and children's ministries and senior ministries, but, but what God desires the most from His people is that we love Him more than anything else. And when people walk through those doors, they, we, we all, they all see a people who are in love with Jesus. We love Jesus. And if we love God, we'll love the things that He loved. And so what did he love? Well, lots of things. He loved the lost, didn't he? Shake your head like this. Yeah. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And so we should love the lost. And, and so we might ask ourselves, did I share the gospel with anybody this week? Did I, am I praying for someone who's lost? If we love God, then we, we love the things that He loved. He loved the little children, didn't He? He said, bring the children to me. And so, we, do we love the children like He did? Are, are, are you involved in ministering to the, the children in some way? Jesus loved the poor and the weak and the outcast. Do we love them? Are we doing 
ministries to, to serve them. Jesus loved the church. Gave his life for the church. Do you love the church? Are you serving his church? Are you, are you seeking unity in his church? He, he wants his church to be holy. Are, are we asking ourselves, is there anything in my life that, that brings reproach upon the church? And so I say all that this, this morning. If our priority is to, to love God, then, then we want to love the things that he loved. And so Jesus said to the lawyer that the first priority is to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind. So what does that word all mean? You know, it means all, don't it? Everything. It's, it's not complicated. Everything. We're to, it, it, we don't tithe our love to God. Danny doesn't lead us in singing 10% to God I surrender, 10% I freely give. We, we don't sing that. That'd be foolish, wouldn't we? We, we don't all to, to Him. Jesus is deserving of 100%. Amen. And I, listen, I'm glad he doesn't forgive just a percent of my sin. I'm glad he forgives it all. And I'm glad that he doesn't just love us a couple hours on Sundays. Amen? Yeah, he, he, he gave all. And, and he, loves, he loves us with all that he has and all that he was. And, and uh, he doesn't love us just part of the time. And he doesn't just love the parts of us that are lovable. I got some parts that aren't lovable. And he loves me anyway. And listen, he didn't die on the cross just so that he could be sovereign over our Sunday mornings from 9 to 12. Amen? He is sovereign. He is Lord. Don't confine him, his lordship, to Sunday morning only. When I was in college, I, I had a full load of classes like many do. And had a, I worked at Walmart on the weekends. I was busy. But one day I met this young lady at Walmart. And, uh, and I fell in love with her, and uh, I wanted to spend time with her. And it wasn't a duty, it was a delight. And so that meant that when I wasn't with her, then I had to work hard and study hard so that I'd have time to be with her. And it's the same way. If we love God like we say we do, listen, we will make time to spend with Him. And, and we'll do it not because the preacher says to, but because it is the delight of our lives. And church, we'll pursue holiness, not because the preacher said to, but because he is holy and, and we want to be holy like he is. And we, we'll, we'll guard our prayer time, not to check off a box, but because we want to be with him. We know we need him. We love him. We want to be with him. And, and we'll, we'll spend time in his word because, again, not to check off a box, but because we know that, that he has written a letter to us that we might know him. We'll take time to, to worship and praise Him, not out of obligation, but out of an expression of our love for Him. I, I, you know, David was a man after God's own heart, and uh, he messed up sometimes. But listen, he, you read the Psalms, and you quickly realize that he had a heart for God. Psalm 63, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I'll seek you. My soul longs for you, my my flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And so I've sought you in the, in the sanctuary to behold your power and glory. He, he keeps talking about his desire to, uh, to be with God. Because your steadfast love is better than life, I will, I will lift my, my praise to you. Over and over, he's talking about his love for God. And church, that's the, the greatest thing that we can 
invested in our lives is growing in our love for God. And listen, the more we know Him, uh, the more I believe we'll love Him because He's so good and gracious to us. I, I close with a story about a little boy. He, uh, his dad came home from a hard day of work and he got in the recliner after dinner. Y'all know what we're talking about here. And uh, reared it back and he had one of those newspapers. Y'all remember those things we used to read? <laughs> yeah, so he kicked back and was reading the paper and a his son went up to him and said, Dad, I love you. And the dad looked around and said, I love you too, son. That didn't satisfy the little boy. And so he, he crept around to the other side and began to rub his dad's arm. He said, Dad, I love you. And the dad, with just a slight bit of impatience, said, Well, son, I, I love you too. That didn't satisfy him. And so a few moments later, the little boy ran and jumped right in the center of the paper and put his arms around his dad. And he said, Dad, I love you. And sometimes you just got to do something about it. And church, I just want you to know that, that God loves us, and He did something about it. He sent His most precious gift, His Son. He sent His Son to the earth, and He came and took our sins. He suffered and bled and died on the cross for our sins. He did all that so that we could be saved. That's how much He loved us. And so, listen, we're going to sing about the, the Father's love. He, he doesn't just say it. He showed us how much He loved us. And, and He did all that just so that we could, could be saved. And uh, I want to invite you this morning, if you've never responded to the love of God, you've never been saved, you've never received the, the greatest gift of love, which is eternal life. If you've never received that gift, I want to invite you this morning to respond to the love of God and maybe you're here this morning, and I suspect most of you are saved, and uh, you, you love God. Uh, but maybe this morning the Spirit's put His finger on something in your life. I, I told the first group this morning, when I was looking over my notes, uh, the Spirit just kind of put His finger on this in my life and said, you know, you love that. Maybe you love that more than me sometimes. And I think, you know, sometimes I look to that before I look to God's Word sometimes. He, that, he, God's gracious sometimes in pointing something out in our lives. Maybe this morning the Spirit's pointed out something in your life. And, and maybe God's saying, listen, I, I want to be first place in your life. I died for you. I created you. I died for you. I love you. And uh, this morning maybe you need to repent of some things in your life that have taken God's place. Maybe they've become idols in your life. Listen, God graciously invites us to... Uh, to turn from those things and find our greatest delight in God. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for your word. and uh, Jesus has made it simple. The, the most important thing that we can do is, is to love you. And Father, we know there's an enemy who wants to distract us and who wants the things of this world to look so attractive. And, and so often we're, we pursue the things of this world more than we pursue God. And I thank you this morning just for the reminder of my life that, uh, that what I need more than anything is to fall in love with you over and over again. And so forgive me for pursuing anything more than you. And I pray you would stir my passions and the passions of these people this morning to, to love you with all of our hearts and minds, souls. Lord, you're the greatest delight and for all of eternity we'll be reminded of how much you loved us and you showed us that love by sending your son Jesus and Lord if there's a person here this morning that's never received the gift of eternal life 
never turned from their sins and believed upon Jesus, I pray this morning that they would, they would confess Jesus as Lord and be saved. Lord, we celebrate that. That would be so awesome. We pray for this invitation this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me this morning. And-